But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The era of big government is over. President Review, a podcast review of all 45 presidents from Washington to Trump. New episodes every Friday on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Politics Weekly. I'm your host, Nolan Cleary. Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. This week, we talk about Donald Trump's trip to Vietnam, Beto O'Rourke not running for President of the United States. Also, Texas Senate candidate Seema Hernandez joins me as a special guest. Welcome back to Politics Weekly. I'm here with a very special guest today, uh, Seema Hernandez. Now, uh, Seema, for those who don't know, she ran uh, in 2018 for the U.S. Senate um, uh, against Beto O'Rourke. I think a lot of people probably know who Beto O'Rourke is. Um, And she actually overperformed. She actually got 25% uh, of the vote uh, in the Democratic primary. Um, so, um, uh, and now she is hoping to run for Senate again uh, in 2020. And this time she's going to be running against 
uh, John Cornyn. Uh, Seema, thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me, Sean. Of course. Now, uh, typically we talk about the news of the week, but first I want to ask you about uh, your campaign, some questions about your campaign. So the first question I have is uh, pretty simple. Why, why do you want to be, why do you want this job? Why do you want to be the next senator from the state of Texas? I'll this this to power from from forty years of neoliberalism and it's an aggressive, progressive way, unapologetically campaign to undo the forty years of policy and also undo everything that um, Donald Trump has done in the last two years of his presidency. So it's going to be aggressive. It needs six years, and if I don't get it done this time, I'm going to keep going. Whether it's Ted Cruz, John Cornyn, it's be an uphill battle. But I believe that every single human being is worth fighting for, and I want to bring that reform in our country. Um. All right. Uh, so uh, the next question uh, I have, obviously, uh, Texas uh, is considered. Uh, well, Texas maybe is arguably the most important border state uh, in the country, and there's been a lot of talk about the border uh, recently. Um, uh, Nancy Pelosi and many other congressional Democrats um, have suggested uh, there should be um, there should be border security, but uh, a wall is not the way of going about it. Um, what do you believe, uh, as somebody who lives in a border state, what do you believe would be a better alternative to a wall? Stop other countries. Stop creating destabilization in other lands, causing people to flee, causing global warming, and people have no other choice following their instincts to come into this country. It's, it's not safe. They want safety too. So if we want safety, we need to start looking at the policy that we have in place, the U.S. imperialistic policies that we have in place, and consider investing in peace and diplomacy instead of causing the economic collapse of other nations and people know where to go. So a wall won't do anything. It'll actually perpetuate the problem and quite honestly refusing a seven have an issue with our border security. Um, okay. Um, now, um, Beto O'Rourke, uh, during a, um, an interview with Chuck Todd, um, he said um, that, uh, or Chuck Todd asked him, they were at the border, and Chuck Todd actually asked him, he said, um, do you, because uh, w- apparently Dan Crenshaw, the new congressman in Texas, uh, asked uh, O'Rourke via Twitter uh, if he would be willing to take down the existing barriers uh, at the border. And Chuck Todd asked uh, Beto that question, and Beto actually said yes, he would be willing to support taking down the existing borders. And he also said that if there was a referendum in El Paso, um, uh, he believes that um, 
uh, he believes that that would pass. Um, do you do you agree with Beto on that? Um, and do you think that the existing uh, uh, barrier should come down? Well, I think that the existing barriers are there. I think that instead of taking down those barriers, we need to take down the barriers that prohibit people from um, citizenship in this country. Um, now, one of the uh, one of the suggestions one one suggestion that Senator Cruz had. Oh, sorry, sorry. Hello. I think the connection is fun. Okay, so, um, sorry, do you want to finish your point? Yes, um, I was saying that the, there are barriers already existing, but the most important ones are the immigration reform that pro- prohibits cit- a pathway to citizenship. There's a process in which we, we can we can ratify immigration itself and allow people that have already been here for decades that have been contributing to this country, allow them to be citizens. We have a DACA recipients that are literally putting their lives on hold, wondering if in two years, whenever they have to renew it, they're going to be deported or any infraction, such as a speeding ticket or just being at the wrong place at the wrong time gets them in trouble and it puts them at risk for deportation. So instead of putting people's lives on hold, we need a pathway to citizenship. Those are the barriers that we need to take down. We need comprehensive immigration reform that allows people that are here already an ability to stay and achieve their goals in this country. Now, um, recently, uh, Senator Cruz suggested... um, that the $14 billion that the federal government uh, allocated from El Chapo uh, should go uh, towards the wall. Um, Would you support that method or any other method um, that allows for the wall uh, without using taxpayer dollars? No, um, I would not support that. In fact, I think that we need to look at the tax bill itself and... um tax the living daylights out of Wall Street so that we can pay for health care and we can fix our crumbling infrastructure and create a federal jobs guarantee plan. I think that is more feasible and it's morally responsible to do that than focus on a border wall, a physical barrier that violates international laws. Uh, what do you believe would be a sufficient tax rate on the rich? Oh, if I had my way, it would be 85%. And it would be, of course, then $10 million increments. So anything above $10 million will be taxed about 85%. All right. Um, so progressive tax. <laughs> now, if you win, uh, you'll have to serve uh, alongside uh, Ted Cruz for at least four years. Um, you'll um, Also, um, the governor, uh, a Republican, Greg Abbott, will still be in office for at least two years during your term. Um, do you feel confident um, that if you are elected, um, if the occasion arises, like for example, obviously Hurricane Harvey happened a few years ago, if uh, a situation like that happened, that you could put your differences aside and work with either of those individuals? I would work 
with those individuals when it comes to giving aid to not just the state of Texas, but any state or territory of the United States to, to get humanitarian aid and assistance to those people who need to rebuild after a disaster like Hurricane Harvey or any climate change catastrophe. Because to me, it's my priority is, is helping each and every single human being that, that is in a situation quite like I was myself. I was in Hurricane Harvey. I was in the water, and the water came up to my neck while we were rescuing people out of their homes. So I know firsthand how, one, horrific it is, how expensive it is, and the trauma that comes afterwards, wondering if the next rainstorm is going to cause your home to flood. So a lot of people are suffering from PTSD as well after Hurricane Harvey. So at the very least, to ease those tensions and those stresses, we would need to come together and fund um, a, an emergency plan that is that is feasible, that is sustainable to have our communities be more resilient after each and every storm if we don't tackle this problem of climate change. All right. Um, now, um, uh, the next question I have, uh, in 2018, we saw you overperformed in the Democratic primary. You, you got almost 25% uh, of the vote, um, but you also did extremely well in uh, heavily Democratic areas like Webb County, Zapata County, Starr County, and I believe you got a majority of the vote in uh, Picos County or Picos County. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing those correctly. Um, in the general election, uh, O'Rourke actually did uh, worse um, in some of those counties mentioned uh, than Paul Sadler, the Democrat who ran against Cruz in 2012, did. Um, do, you, um, do you fear you may have bruised uh, Beto up too much, and do you fear something like that could happen again if, say, Joaquin Castro or somebody of that status chooses to run in 2020? Well, I can tell you that you know, we, we have our differences. Every candidate has uh, ran, ran at a different in a different time. And certainly Beto and myself have our differences, but where we aligned, it was on defeating Ted Cruz and, you know, convincing him to take on a more progressive campaign, a more progressive agenda was my mission after my primary ended. Certainly um, people didn't think that I or my campaign was viable, but seeing the results on that night proved not only that one I was a viable candidate but more importantly it proved that the state of Texas the people of Texas wanted a progressive agenda and they are ready for it so we did what we could and we worked with Mr. O'Rourke so that he could adopt it and slowly and surely our campaign shaped his campaign for the general so regardless if he won or lost it showed that the state of Texas was ready for a platform like ours that we pushed and that we eventually convinced or worked to start talking about the real issues. So the people of Texas made our campaign, our platform viable, and we are ready to take on 2020. And I'm the first candidate to register, to come out and publicly declare that I was a candidate since September of 2018. Not only that, but we can go back to March 31st of 2018 when I met with, with Mr. O'Rourke and let him know because he asked us, what are you doing next? I said, I'm going to take on John Cornyn. Not even two weeks after the primary, I told him we are getting ready 
to launch a campaign against John Corden. In September of 2018, I let him know, again, that confer- reconfirming. And then he said what he said that night in front of a few hundred people in, in Texas, that he accredited our campaign and our leadership, and it shaped the way that he ran his campaign in the general. Interesting. He almost won. He almost won. And that says something. Now, afterwards, there was um, a theory that he might run for president. And it wasn't until then that someone um, with the real sludge and David Sirota, of course, they went through his record. Now, listen, they're going to do that to anybody and everybody. And quite honestly, that's a good thing that people go through their congressional voting record or senatorial voting record. That's what we want. We need that. We need that transparency. We need that honesty. And no one is going to be immune. Not not running for Senate, not running for Congress, not running for president. Everyone is going to be vetted because the last thing we want is someone like Donald Trump taking power. Or someone like Ted Cruz. We already know who they are. But we need to vet every single candidate, whether you're Beto O'Rourke, Arnold Castro, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, or myself, Seema Hernandez. I welcome the scrutiny, and everyone else should too. All right. Um, now, I want to ask you a little bit uh, about Medicare for All, which you've said you support. Um, you, uh, if you win, but Republicans keep a majority in the Senate, um, where do you, how do you plan to get Medicare for All passed? Well, uh, first off, I hope that the Republicans don't keep a majority in the Senate. Um, and quite honestly, I hope that the Democrats, and especially progressive Democrats, step up and run for Senate and Congress. That way we can maintain a majority in both houses. And also that a progressive Democrat, um, and if it were my choice, it would be Bernie Sanders to win the presidency, uh, that we pass legislation that is based on reforms, reforming our government, our society, our economy, our infrastructure, our health care. Those are all things that we need to, to make it sustainable. So if for some reason it's still a Republican stronghold, uh, that's not going to stop me from giving it my all and then some uh, to continue pushing legislation and voting on the important issues that affect everyday people. I will not vote for war. I will not vote against the interest of people of, of, that, are, that are at war, veterans. But I also will not um, cave to the pharmaceutical companies or the um, health insurance companies. I worked in healthcare for six years. I went to school to be a nurse. Eventually, I, I didn't go. I didn't finish. Life gets gets in the way, or life happens. And um, quite honestly, poverty gets in the way of a lot of people's lives, and that was my case. It's still my case. So I'm not going in there with uh, with an idea of, of caving in to every single thing that Republicans want. That, that's not what, what I'm there for. I'm there to represent the people of Texas and the people from across the country, and as well as looking into foreign policy and how we conduct business or we conduct diplomacy across the world. Um, do you support America withdrawing from Syria? Yes. Syria, Yemen, the 17 years of war that we've had in the Middle East, 
or is it 18 years now? I lost track. It's, but it's a lot of years. Do you we need to stop funding, um, or stop selling arms to, to, uh, known terrorist groups and terrorist countries. We have to also stop funding, um, the Israeli government to bring about genocide to the Palestinian people. I do believe in BDS movement. I believe in a free Palestine. I believe in a two state solution. And I believe that it is possible if we, um, withdraw from, from those, uh, particular conflicts and let the, the Palestinians and, and Israel figure something out on their own without inter interference from other countries. Now, um, do you think we should immediately withdraw? Um, or do you think that, um, we should, so we should slowly take troops out, uh, in increments. Like we should take some troops out at some point and then take a couple other troops out. Cause those have been two solutions that have been weighed out in terms of getting out of Syria. Do you support either of those options? I support an option that is best for the people of Syria but also what, what works for our troops. So withdrawing immediately is going to cause a, a, a void, a vacuum that's going to be filled by other um, other groups that might or might not be enemies of the United States or enemies of the people of Syria. So definitely figuring out how to do that, how to do it in a responsible way, and help rebuild what um, our government has, has taken down in that country would make it viable for, for the people of Syria, the people of Yemen, to, to come back to their homeland if they choose to do so. But as it is right now, the there isn't a way for people to live there and be sustainable lately. They've stopped and blocked humanitarian aid. Now, um, uh, New York Congresswoman, I, I want to talk, um, New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has suggested finding a more leftist primary challenge for moderate congressman Henry Kuehler. I believe that's how you pronounce his name, and he's a congressman in your state. Do you agree that um, there there should be a a more? Or uh, are are you on board with that idea of getting a more progressive uh, primary challenger to uh, go after Congressman Kuehler? I support any Democrat that doesn't support a progressive agenda, doesn't vote for progressive issues, progressive legislation to be primaried. When our lives are at stake, we know who is impeding legislation that, that will benefit us from the of Republicans. The last thing we expect is a Democrat to impede legislation that, that benefits our lives. So if there is a Democrat out there, a corporate Democrat that is in bed with special interest and corporate, corporate donors, primary them, yes. Now, I would suggest that instead of um, Ocasio-Cortez um, suggesting it, I mean, it's a great idea to suggest it, but let the local people of that district find someone that knows what's going on. Because she's, she's obviously on the inside. She knows what, what's going on on the inside. Use that information to give it to the people of Texas, and we will find a recruitment. We will find someone to, to primary him. Now, um, there's been a lot of buzz lately uh, about Beto O'Rourke 
um, running for the presidency. If I know you're a you're a big Bernie Sanders person. If O'Rourke announced tomorrow um, that he was running for president, would you uh, endorse him or would you continue to support Sanders? I would continue to support Sanders. All right. Um, now, um, the last question I have before I, uh, or no, there are two more questions I have. So, um, first of all, um, uh, if you, you talk a lot about neoliberals and corporate Democrats, um, if you, uh, end up losing the primary to say Joaquin Castro or somebody who's a more corporate neoliberal Democrat, would you be willing to support that Democrat in the general election to ensure that Cornyn doesn't win another six years, or would you not? It depends. Quite honestly, you you have to you know put someone in there who's actually already declared to be a candidate. First off, because no one has declared besides myself. Um, so my eyes are on Cornyn. That's my only um, only person to go after at the moment. Anyone else that steps into the ring at the moment, they're doing it out of political convenience because Cornyn said something bad. Well, guess what? He's not only been saying something bad, but over the past 12 years, he's been doing things that are terrible in the Senate. So where was all this bravery years ago when they could have stepped up? So right now, my only focus is Cornyn and my progressive policies, progressive agenda, and supporting the people of this country in Texas. So... Anyone that's speculating any other candidate that's supposedly jumping in the ring, it, it's not official until they jump in. All right. And then the last question I have before we get into the news um, is uh, about um, is about the Green New Deal. Um, so uh, recently we saw that the major- the Republican majority leader, Mitch McConnell, uh, has decided to hold a vote uh, on the... Uh, Green New Deal, and that's kind of received polarized uh, reactions from people that from supporters of the bill. Um, Some people have said, you know, it's good that he's putting it on the floor for a vote. Other people have been saying that he's trying to sabotage the bill. Do you agree with McConnell uh, putting the uh, bill, or do you agree with the Green New Deal? First of all, and second of all, do you agree with McConnell putting? the bill on the floor for on the Senate floor for a vote. I think that we, we need to be clear on what the Green New Deal is, the one that Ocasio Cortez has introduced. And um, Senator uh, what's his name? Michael? Ed Markey. Ed Markey from Massachusetts. Ed Markey. Yes. That's that's a re- that's a resolution. It's not a bill. So it's just the basic outline. There has not bill been a bill that's introduced and until that happens uh, anything that McConnell is voting on that looks as if it's progressive, it's bait. It's a trick. He is doing it because he knows, one, it won't pass. Two, he knows it's a resolution. So anything that he may have up his sleeve to push this through, it's not going to work. It's not going to work, and it's just a ploy to to um, distract and point out, see, no, nobody wants it. It's not feasible. And... Until there is a bill that is officially introduced, then maybe, maybe, but he, he knows what he's doing and I I wouldn't trust him. Do you support the the resolution as it is? I support the resolution as it is. I think that we can do better. Uh, We can make it stronger. Um, But anything that comes out of a corporate Democrat 
in that that doesn't compare or doesn't come close to the current resolution um, should not should not pass and no one should vote on it really. If anything, that resolution should be turned into a bill and um, members of Congress should vote on it. And if that, that bill or that resolution is turned into a bill in the Senate, then yes, definitely senators should vote on it. Anything that is less than the current resolution is not worth a vote. All right. Why don't we move on to the news then? Um, so first of all, the Mueller report um, has been delayed. Uh, Robert Mueller this past week uh, was scheduled uh, to uh, release uh, a report on his findings uh, in the Trump-Russia investigation, but that has been delayed. Many people are speculating as to why. What are your thoughts on the Mueller report being delayed? Well, nobody likes it being delayed, quite honestly. A lot of us are pretty tired of Trump being in office. So the sooner that report is um, is made public, the sooner you know we can get through, through the hearings that are necessary, the sooner we can move on with our lives and figure out what to do. Because right now, as it is, we're, we're all sitting on pins and needles. We're all wondering what's going to happen. This, this Russia investigation, this meddling, this collusion it's taken its sweet time and the sooner we we can get to the bottom of this the sooner we get to the truth you know it'll it'll the sooner we can breathe and figure out what to do next as of right now it feels like everyone's on hold Mm. um do you think that uh do you think or how big an impact do you think the report is going to have well it depends on what what's in there it depends on on what um, what findings they have, whether they can start the impeachment proceedings on, on Trump, whether they have anything on him at all, or it's just the people around him. Um, it, it could go either way. And hopefully it, it goes in one direction where we start seeing um, the Trump administration um, slowly being dismantled. And of course that can't happen fast enough. All right. Why don't we move on then? Um, so uh, in the North Carolina House race, so in North Carolina's uh, 9th Congressional District, it was believed uh, initially on election night that Mark Harris, the Republican candidate, had narrowly defeated uh, Dan McCready uh, for that seat. Um, however, uh, it now seems as though... Um, well, afterwards, there were accusations uh, of election fraud. Um, there, um, allegedly, there, uh, Mark Harris, was, uh, according to speculation, involved himself uh, in uh, controversial um, election uh, or in controversial election um, uh, activities. Um, and uh, recently, just this week. Uh, Mark Harris initially said he uh, initially he agreed uh, to another election. He agreed that there should be another. Uh, the Republican agreed that there should be another uh, election for the seat. Um, but he has also said um, that he will not be running uh, in that election, which means Republicans have to find a new candidate to go up against the Democrat. Uh, presumably, that will be Dan McCready. Uh, what are your thoughts on all this, um, on this vacant house seat? Um, and what are your thoughts on, um, McCree or what are your thoughts on Harris getting out of the race? Well, 
well, I think what we need to address is, is a bigger issue, which is um, voter suppression. Clearly, there is something deeply morally wrong in the United States when we can't even have or honor the, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So we, we need a, a, a total revamp of our elections, of uh, a fair election, and of course, open it up, open up the debates, and more importantly, undo the laws that prohibit people from exercising their vote, from exercising their voice. There cannot be vacant seats in Congress at all. That, that to me is astonishing. We're up in arms for other countries that they're not holding fair and free elections, but we're doing it in this country and we're doing it with voter suppression laws and voter disenfranchisement laws. So before anyone can get in any race and start running and start claiming that there is voter suppression or some, there's, there's um, election integrity issues, we need to start overturning laws in, in every state including ending the gerrymandering that's going on in, across the United States, not just in North Carolina and Texas and in other predominantly um, red, you know, Republican strongholds. We need to change those laws to make it possible for anyone to run, whether you're Republican or Democrat, independent, green, doesn't matter, to have a fair shot at winning an election fair and square and where there isn't, isn't much question whether you know the, the ballots were, were tampered with and that would also include having paper ballots do you believe um that mccready the democrat would have won uh if not for um the uh tactics that were uh presumably uh used by uh harris the republican I believe so. I do believe so. There, there is um, a, a political. The political climate is changing to where we we don't want um, politicians who support Trump's agenda or are running on an, an agenda of, of fascist fascist policies and, and hate and, and scaring fear mongering people um, and communities of color. And you know, if if there there if the voting laws weren't as oppressive. I'm pretty sure that any Democrat that runs on a moral agenda would win. Anyone that runs against an immoral agenda would win. All right. Um, so the next uh, story here uh, is about Trump, uh, Trump's North Korea visit. So uh, Trump uh, met with Kim Jong-un for the second time. And he actually walked out on a deal presented by Kim Jong-un. Uh, Jong-un um, uh, offered uh, to, um, or Trump asked for uh, Jong-un to agree to officially denuclearize once again. Um, Jong-un said, said he would do that uh, if America agreed to lift sanctions on North Korea uh, Trump then walked away from the deal after that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Trump-North Korea visit, and was it right for Trump to walk away from the deal? No, you, you never walk away from the negotiation table. You never walk away, because that shuts down communication, and it puts you in at a disadvantage when um, when you want to come back to the table and, and revisit that issue. Now, if, if he's going to denuclearize, why does he want the... the 
the sanctions lifted. There's no need for it. There's no need for for having the sanctions lifted if you're going to denuclearize. So honestly, I think he should have stayed. I think he should have continued conversation and said we'll come back and continue this conversation because you, we can't do that. But walking away altogether is something that we know Trump does when he doesn't get what he wants. So maybe we're not getting the full story. All right. Um, uh, what do you believe would be a uh, sufficient deal to try and get North Korea to denuclearize? What do I... I have no idea what it would take. Um, you have to know what, what North Korea wants. And if um, if we, we know that, that North Korea is, a, is in an oppressive regime... Um, we honestly don't know what to expect if those sanctions were lifted and maybe they can go back on their word. It just all depends on how that particular policy would, would come about. All right. Um, why don't we uh, move on then? So the, de- the new Democratic-led House uh, this week passed uh, two new bills, two major bills. They passed uh, the most comprehensive gun control bill uh, in almost a decade, um, in the House, they also um, passed a bill to oppose Trump's uh, national emergency. This was not a surprise. What are your thoughts on the Democratic House voting for these bills? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that last part? What are your thoughts on the Democratic House voting to approve these two bills? Well. It surprises me that it's taken so long to, to talk about gun control and gun issues after so many, um, so many uh, gun, so much gun violence has occurred in this country. Uh, I remember the first school shooting that I've ever um, witnessed on TV. The way it played out was traumatic for myself, and this was back in in 1999 uh, during Columbine. April 20th. I, I will never forget that day because not only was that day Adolf Hitler's birthday, it was probably one of the scariest moments of my life. It was also my father's birthday. Um, so I could not forget that ever in my life. So I look at that and I see what's happening in this country and, and our children are being raised in a different way than I was, where we prepared for a hurricane or a tornado or earthquakes. The children are not preparing for active shooters on campus. You know, we have to worry about the holidays and shopping centers and movie theaters and just going to church um, because we know that it, it happens at a church or at a concert. We should have imposed stricter um, background checks um, and laws that would protect us as, as much as um, people want to protect their gun rights. We also want to protect the children that are going in school, that they are um, in a safe environment. I do advocate for for stricter gun laws that will allow people to have their guns, but not have the guns in in the hands of people that have already been abusive, that have, have uh, mental health issues that would make um, make make them having gun a danger to themselves or to someone else. I advocate for people to have their guns. That's great. Respect the Second Amendment and and do that, but that we can do it in a responsible way. All right. Um, why don't we uh, move on then? Uh, so 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or there's, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is, uh, going to be getting, uh, her own comic book. There is, uh, uh, it was announced this week that there is going to be a comic book, uh, with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, as, um, as the protagonist, um, uh, uh, that was announced this week. Um, it is going to be a political satire. Um, it's going to be called uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, and the Freshman Force. Um, the, uh, the cover uh, was uh, released uh, this week, um, and it showed, um, the, the cover shows uh, Ocasio-Cortez uh, uh, defeating, uh, a, uh, what's supposed to be a red anthropomorphic, uh, elephant, um, in the background, uh, which is supposed to represent the Republicans, obviously, and then in the background, you can see, uh, the landscape of the Capitol, and you can also see, um, an anthropomorphic, uh, uh, don blue donkey, uh, who is supposed to resemble Chuck Schumer, um, looking nervous, uh, what are your thoughts on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, getting a comic book uh, based on her? That, that's great. I just hope that, you know, we can get legislation passed in Congress and they can write comic books about that too, like things that are happening. Because <laughs> I, I really want to see progressives succeed in Congress and um, where she's doing, you know, great things. She's talking all about all the right issues. But I'm more focused on progressives setting the standard for politicians coming up to run for office and represent the people and push legislation and worry about that. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. All right. Why don't we move on then? So uh, outside of America, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, the prime minister of Israel, uh, was in um, was officially or he's going to be indicted on corruption charges um, uh, right now um, uh, a conservative New York Times columnist apparently called Netanyahu the Nixon of Israel um, what are your thoughts on Netanyahu oh and Netanyahu is also running for re-election this year um, he did affirm as of today that he is still planning to, uh, until, until anything else happens, until he's convicted officially of a crime, he is still planning to continue, uh, his campaign for re-election. Uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, Netanyahu being brought, Benjamin Netanyahu being brought up on corruption charges? Well, I mean... We, would, we have to hold um, everyone to the same standard, quite honestly. But this, again, is for, for the government of Israel and the, the international community to, to look at that and see what's going on, just as much as they, they scrutinize um, Venezuela with their elections and accusing the leaders of corruption. Um, I prefer that the United States remains, um, you know, remains out of those particular elections and let them take place in a democratic way. 
and not support either 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 regime change or either um, people that are running for office and let those particular elections take place in a democratic way on their own. All right. Um, why don't we move on then? So later this year, uh, obviously a lot of people uh, are uh, uh, talking about the uh, presidential election in 2020, uh, as well as some of the Senate races, uh, which obviously SEMA is running in one of those. Um, but don't forget about the three governor's races uh, that are happening this year, one of which is in Mississippi. Um, so um, right now, Phil uh, Bryant, uh, the incumbent Republican governor, is uh, ineligible to run for a third term. Uh, Donald Trump did win this by a big, uh, did win Mississippi by a big margin. So you'd think it would be safe for Republicans, but it has become surprisingly competitive um, as Jim Hood. Uh, the popular attorney general of Mississippi has announced he is running. Uh, and of course, Democrats hope that in spite of it being a Republican state, they think they can still win uh, in Mississippi because uh, of how popular Jim Hood is. Um, but we now, and it was very widely considered um, that, um, that Tate Reeves, the lieutenant governor, and Jim Hood, the attorney general, they're widely considered to be the top two candidates. Of course, Reeves is a Republican um, and Hood is a Democrat. But don't be too sure because this week, two major candidates um, both announced they are going to be running for the Republican and Democratic nomination. Uh, William Waller, the chief justice of the Mississippi Supreme Court, has said that he will be getting um, in the race for governor against, uh, for, as a Republican, um, he is the first major challenger to go up against Republican Tate Reeves. And in the Democratic primary, uh, Robert Smith, uh, the Hines County District Attorney, has also announced he will be the first major Democratic challenger, uh, to Jim Hood. Uh, a poll from Triumph Campaigns, um, showed that Jim Hood uh, is leading against Robert Smith, but by only two points. Uh, what are your thoughts on these developments in the Mississippi gubernatorial election, and do you think Democrats have a chance of picking up a governorship here? Well, I, I think that everyone has an opportunity and has a chance, but quite honestly, it's, uh, it's about getting into those debates, uh, opening up dialogues, with the people that are going to be voting for them and addressing those issues in an honest way, not in a way that is pandering, that will get people to the polls, that will get people to vote. And quite honestly, we need to address, again, voter suppression, voter disenfranchisement, voter ID laws, gerrymandering. All of these things matter in every election. It's not just um, a candidate that has the money or name recognition or has a political career. There are bigger factors at play and um, the people in Mississippi are, are going to make a choice, whatever that is, that, that is up to them to decide. But I, I hope that we have a progressive in office that supports progressive policies, not just as, as a way to campaign and get through it, but actually means what they say. All right. Um, 
Why don't we move on then? Um, so uh, this year, uh, uh, or as we or we kind of knew this, but uh, Jake Tapper uh, later this year is planning to have uh, what uh, a town hall on his show, State of the Union on CNN, uh, where he will host um, the Democratic, uh, where he will have the Democratic candidates, uh, or he will interview uh, the Democratic candidates who are running for president uh, in 2020. Um, he was planning to have most of the major candidates uh, on the show, um, but we now know that he will... Uh, also, there, there were some questions as to whether he would uh, invite um, uh, Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard on, as well as former Maryland Congressman John Delaney... Um, and, um, but we do now know, oh, and South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, uh, there were some questions as to whether they would be invited on, um, but we now know that they will be invited on, uh, it, uh, he did, Jake Tapper did recently confirm that all three of those candidates, along with the other candidates, um, all the other major candidates in the race currently will be invited onto the show. Um, what are your thoughts on the underdog candidates being allowed in the, uh, into the town hall uh, with Jake Tapper? Well, I think that any candidate who steps up to run for office, uh, whether at a local level or state level, and in this case across the country, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time and dedication, and each and every single one of them should be allowed the time to debate um, this is what we call equity and equality. And if we really truly want to practice democracy in its entirety, every single candidate is running for president, whether you like them or not, whether they're big names or have big funding behind them to exercise democracy, every single one of them needs to appear and needs to give us a reason to vote for them. That's how democracy works. Allowing them time to debate, to have a town hall, to answer those questions. That's what democracy is all about. All right. Um, why don't we um, Why don't we move on then? So um, uh, this week, let me hold on. Just give me a second. Let me get up the story. Um, so uh, this week, um, we now know um, that, uh, or we now know uh, more candidates who are going to be getting into the Democratic primary. Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington, also a former congressman from Washington, uh, announced that he will he he will be getting into uh, the race for president of the United States. Uh, Inslee has said he plans to make to to put the issue of climate change uh, at the forefront of his campaign, um, and we also know. Uh, now that, or we don't know, uh, we, we do know that Beto O'Rourke will not be running uh, in the Texas Senate race. Um, so uh, that's interesting. Um, but um, this has fueled speculation that O'Rourke is going to run for president instead. So uh, what are your thoughts on Inslee getting in? And uh, what, what are your thoughts on... Uh, O'Rourke not getting into the Senate race. Um, did you, I don't know if you could tell me, did you, did you discuss anything with him 
uh, when you met with him about potentially running against, about him maybe, maybe not running against Cornyn? Him running against Cornyn was, was never an intention of his, and especially when I told him I'm going to run again. So I already knew from the get-go that he wasn't going to run against Cornyn. And like I said, that day in September when he gave that fabulous um, soft endorsement for my campaign of 2020, um, I knew then that he wasn't going to run against John Cornyn. There was speculation that he might run for the presidency, and quite honestly, the more people that run for president, the more options we have as, as voters, the better decisions we can make. And that's why I say allow every single candidate that puts their name on the ballot to, to be vetted, to be questioned, to have a platform and a stage to talk about the issues. That's what's necessary. If Bethel runs, if Tulsi runs, it, it doesn't matter. Um, they have to be a declared candidate. And run for office and do the work. And if they do that, you know, they, they deserve a platform to talk about the issues and let people decide for themselves. Um, what do you think about Inslee getting into the race? Uh, I don't know much about Inslee, so I can't, you know, expand on that at all. All right. Um, why don't we... And to be clear, there's, there's more than 20 candidates that are running for president. Am I correct? Um, yeah, I be, well, I believe so. I, be, I believe there's at least almost 20 candidates. Um, and it's more to keep up with. I know, and more, more people are thinking about getting in. We, I mean, we still don't know if Beto is going to get in, and we still don't know if Joe Biden is going to get in. Obviously, they're considered heavily rumored candidates to get in, and we don't know if they're getting in yet or not. Well, and what, what the media is doing is... They're, they're testing the, the public response, and then they will give that information to the possible candidate to see if it's feasible, see if the public accepts it. The more that they condition us to accept it, the more that we eventually get used to the idea of a Biden, of a Beto, of a Bernie, of a Tulsi, of a Hillary, of a Kamala, and of a, Col- a Cory Booker. So it's, it's all about conditioning, and this is what the media does. They condition us to get ready for a possible win so often that we hear their names, we start believing that we can trust them. It's marketing, it's propaganda. So again, it, it won't be real until they're in office, until they're running, but until they're also on that debate stage. All right. Um, why don't we uh, move on then? So um, uh, the final story I have here uh, is surrounding Michael Cohen. Uh, so Michael Cohen uh, was questioned before the House Judiciary uh, Committee uh, this past week. Um, uh, and uh, he was claiming, uh, he, he claimed that Trump was a, a racist, a cheat. Um, he made multiple claims about Trump. He said uh, that Trump uh, was more concerned about his brand than he was about the country. And he did say that Trump ordered Cohen to, uh, or he did, one of the main claims he made was that, uh, was that uh, Trump ordered um, him to lie for multiple uh, different years, which was why Cohen got, uh, uh, got uh, convicted of lying to Congress. Uh, do you believe, uh, 
Cohen's, uh, do you believe Cohen when he says that, um, uh, that Trump, uh, told him to lie to Congress? Um, and what are your thoughts on this? Well, of course, I, I do believe that he, he, um, he told him to lie to Congress, but I also believe that, um, Cohen himself is doing what he has to do to save his own skin. It's about self-preservation and make no mistake. He stood by and said nothing and did nothing to stop this person in the White House. So it tells me, again, that he is um, he's not a, a moral man. So that is the possible reason why, you know, people don't believe him. If you knew all these things were true, why did you say nothing? Why didn't you act? Why didn't you tell the truth? It wasn't until he starts getting pictured and he has charges against him and he is being convicted and tried in the public in public court the public in public opinion of or in the public and now he's being questioned by the house judiciary committee so you know he more than likely is showing who he really is and he said nothing and he was a racist as well as much as trump was he's a liar just as much as trump is except now he's caught so he's literally throwing Trump under the bus, which is where he belongs, to save his own skin. All right. Um, uh, thank you again for, uh, for, for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate uh, having you on. Um, before you go, do you want to tell people uh, where you can be found uh, on social media? Uh, yes, I'm on Facebook, uh, Seema Hernandez, um, I'm on Instagram, Sema for Texas. I am on Twitter at Sema or underscore Sema Hernandez underscore or Sema the number four and Texas. And you can also find me on Act Blue Crowd Pack. You can also um, find our website at Sema S E M A F O R T E X A S dot com. All right. Um... Thank you again for for joining me, um, and uh, good luck with your campaign. I don't need luck, I need votes. (laughs) The American dream is not a sprint or even a marathon, but a relay. Our families don't always cross the finish line in the span of one generation, but each generation passes on to the next the fruits of their labor. The former HUD secretary, the former mayor of San Antonio and the twin brother of a congressman, who is Julian Castro, the Democratic 2020 contender who hopes to be America's first Hispanic president. The Candidates Donald Trump has got to be defeated. And I intend to do everything that I can with every other progressive in America making sure that that happens. Their stories. We got a real opportunity to build something. And their fight for the White House. Keep America great! Exclamation point. Keep America great. This is Presidential Profile 2020. At that inflection moment, where were you? This is that moment. It's our job to remind the American people that we're looking out for them. So all of you, showing the country how you do this. The special interests and the powerful have such an outsized influence and outcome to restore our democracy.
Julian Castro was born in San Antonio, Texas on September 16, 1974, the son of Maria and Jesse. He is twin brothers with Joaquin Castro and is a minute older than his brother. The son of a political activist, Castro's mother Maria had launched an unsuccessful campaign for San Antonio City Council just three years before his birth in 1971. She founded the Raza Unida Party, which translates to the United People's Party. Castro has credited his mother for his and his brother's future involvement in politics and has claimed his mother brought him to political rallies as a child. Castro's father, Jesse, was also an activist as well as a math professor. Born out of wedlock, Castro's parents separated when he and his brother were eight years old. Growing up, Castro graduated from Thomas Jefferson High School and attended Sanford University in college. He graduated from Harvard in 2000. A year later, Castro was elected to the San Antonio City Council, the same office his mother sought out unsuccessfully. He defeated a crowded field of challengers with 61% of the vote. After being sworn in, he became the youngest person to hold that position at age 27. A year after this, his brother Joaquin was elected to the Texas State Legislature. Julian Castro held his seat in San Antonio, Texas uh, until 2005 when he opted to run for mayor of San Antonio. Castro was widely viewed as the frontrunner for the position. However, he was narrowly defeated by retired judge Phil Hardberger. Castro briefly let, left the political spotlight to pursue law. During this time, he married Erica Lira, to whom he has two children with. However, in 2009, Castro lost, launched another run for mayor of San Antonio. Kristen Archer, the campaign manager for Hardberger in 2005, agreed to head Castro's campaign. Castro went on to win, receiving 56% of the vote. During his time as mayor, Castro made LGBT rights a central issue of his time as mayor as, and pushed back against a law that prohibited same-sex marriage in the state of Texas. The law was later overturned by the Supreme Court in 2015. Castro won re-election in a blowout victory in 2011 and 2013. In 2012, Joaquin was elected to Congress, representing the 20th district in the U.S. House of Representatives in Texas, a position he holds to this day. Julian garnered national attention after giving a speech at the Democratic National Convention in 2012. My twin brother, San Antonio Mayor Julian Castro. After President Barack Obama won re-election that year, he offered Castro the job of Secretary of Transportation. However, Castro declined, instead eyeing a potential run for Governor of Texas in 2014 after incumbent Republican Governor Rick Perry announced his retirement. However, Castro eventually opted against running and accepted an offer to serve as Secretary of Housing and Urban Development that year. He was confirmed to that position overwhelmingly in the United States Senate. He served in this position until 2017 when Obama left office as president. In 2016, Castro was viewed as a potential contender for the presidency. However, he declined after former Secretary of State, former New York Senator, and former U.S. First Lady Hillary Clinton entered the field. After she won the Democratic nomination, 
Many speculated Castro could be in the running for vice president. However, Virginia Senator, former governor, and former mayor of Richmond, Tim Kaine, was selected instead. Castro left office as head HUD secretary on January 20th, 2017, after Donald Trump won the presidency. Castro was replaced by retired neosurgeon and 2016 candidate for president Ben Carson. After leaving office, Castro became an advocate for immigrants at the border and became an outspoken critic of President Trump. His advocacy fueled speculation that he would be seeking the presidency in 2020. On January 12, 2019, Castro officially announced his candidacy for the presidency. Now, he hopes to take down Donald Trump and become America's first Latino president. So, I know that the press work hard and that they are the friend of the truth in this country. Thank you very much for being here. For more political profiles, listen to Politics Weekly every Tuesday. Alright, so the first question I have, uh, so right now Gillibrand uh, is only pulling around 1% in the national polls uh, according to CNN. Uh, why, why do you think that uh, that is? Why do you think she's, because a lot of Democrats nationally know who she is, why do you think she's only getting 1% according to the CNN polls? Well, because I think, um, I think for one thing it's a very crowded field of Democratic contenders at the moment, and um, there are some other Democrats that I think um, kind of established themselves as, as, as national names uh, sooner. Um, you know, we have some previous candidates, right? We have Bernie Sanders, for instance. Um, we have uh, some candidates that uh, uh, I think used uh, the recent Senate Judiciary Committee hearings, uh, confirmation hearings of Justice um, Bre uh, Brett Kavanaugh to, um, uh, you know, as a platform for, for exposure. Um, you know, and then we've got, uh, uh, you know, I think Joe Biden is likely to get into the race. Um, so I think I think for Senator Gillibrand, you know, right now, I think what you know what she's what she's running into is just that uh, a lot of the other uh, the, the field is large, and a lot of the other names in the field are um, Democrats who uh, have either run previously or who have uh, spent a lot of time in Washington, really uh, establishing um, you know and really really building a, a national. Identity for themselves, so so I think it's a I think it's simply a name recognition thing, and I would expect that as as her name recognition uh, improves, uh, that her poll numbers uh, would likely begin to go up. What do you think she needs to do to get up there in the polls? Well, it's tough to say because the, because the field right now is so crowded, it can be it can be really hard to distinguish. For, for one candidate to distinguish themselves, you know, in a field of in a field of twenty, um, I guess what I would say is, at this point <laughs> is, uh, you know, to just focus on uh, being yourself and focus on uh, the behind the scenes legwork of building a competitive campaign. Um, so that means. Uh, 
what's often called the retail, the retail politics. Going to Iowa, going to New Hampshire, going door to door, building contacts, beginning to get uh, some uh, earned media exposure uh, in media markets in those states, uh, and using that as kind of a base or using uh, or that as a platform, uh, because because if you go to Iowa or New Hampshire. Uh, and and you begin to build some support there that can snowball into into uh, momentum on the national political stage. Um, one more question. So, um, do you think that there's any upside to the crowded field or having all these Democrats in this field? Sure. Um, it gives it gives voters more choices. Um, it's a more, I would say it's a more open debate. Um, it allows the electorate, I think, to be exposed to a wider range of political views. Um, and, you know, wider field means that uh, there's more names for voters to choose from. And, you know, voters may, within that field, uh, find someone uh, who is, um, uh, more aligned with their own political views than, than they might than they might otherwise find in a smaller field. All right, thank you, yeah. sir.